It is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to take control of the airwaves and talk about whatever is on your mind. 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. I should probably start the video streams. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And I've got awesome news for people living here in New Hampshire, for liberty-loving people here in New Hampshire, that is. The bill hearing for the constitutional amendment that would cause New Hampshire to peaceably declare independence from the United States government officially has a hearing date in just over two weeks. It's January the 20th at 3.30 p.m. For anyone out there in New Hampshire, because we are on some stations here in New Hampshire, I think there's three of them total, including one that stretches out over Concord, we... I will be there on January the 20th at 3.30 p.m. It's kind of late in the day, and we I'm expecting a lot of libertarians to turn out for this and to want to say something about this. A lot of free staters, rather. I don't see it getting wrapped up with all of these people speaking by 5 p.m., and I would expect it to have to be continued into the next day. But it's starting at 3.30 p.m., so even for people like me who like sleeping late, we, we just don't have an excuse on this one not to be there because 3.30 in the afternoon, it's only like an hour long drive. Even if you wake up at 2, you can get there on time. So that's awesome. I'm looking forward to that. You can find that. You can find out more information about New Hampshire Exit at NHExit.us. It's, I don't know who all will be there. I mean, we just got the news of the hearing date today. So word is just now beginning to spread yeah this is the first time hearing about it but i will definitely try my hardest to be there i i intend to be there and since it's 3 30 in the afternoon i really no excuses yeah, no mark excuse your calendar i actually already did that so <laughs> and i set a number of reminders including a week before a day before three days before i was like there's i cannot miss this you yeah. know history Coming up tonight, we're going to be talking about how a paramedic uh, fulfilled the demand that governments created, and the paramedic isn't the only one who did this, by selling people coronavirus vaccine cards, which what amazes me most about this is that this paramedic was selling these things for $150 each, and people wow. were buying them instead of just like googling the card and making it themselves yeah so the thing with that is you would need a corresponding lot number so what i'm thinking happened is this paramedic probably had taken some of these vials and either threw them away or just I, i i don't know but in order to get like a legit one you would need a corresponding lot number or you could just make one up, and I highly doubt that anybody would check it. But That's a really good point as well. We're also going to talk about the snowstorm, evidently, that caused people on I-95 yesterday or the day before, I don't know because I didn't pay any attention to it, to be caught in traffic for like 20, 27 hours, that sort of thing. There was an Uber rider who was stuck in that, and Uber hit him with a $600 bill. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about UFOs as well, but first... We've talked about it here on the show in the past. The Biden administration's plan to require Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and these other payment applications to have to report transactions totaling more than $600 to the IRS. It's actually happening. It went into effect on January the 1st, just a few days ago. So this 
is actually part of the law. Now, they have to do this. And there are so many reasons why that doesn't make sense. Like, not everybody that's accepting large payments on PayPal and Venmo is selling stuff. Like, they could be accepting a rent payment from their roommate, you know? Is also that true. Is that supposed to be taxed? What amazes me about this is that they painted all of this. Democrats love to say, oh, we're going to tax the rich. We're going to tax the 1%. Tax the corporations. Make them pay their fair share and all of that stuff. However, the very first bullet point in this article is the new reporting requirement will ensure that small businesses that receive payments through these apps are paying their fair share in taxes on them. Yeah. So the small sales, businesses. Yes. The sales pitch was all about, oh, we got to task. We, we got to tax Elon Musk and who Jeff Bezos and all of these other billionaires. And oh, but look, the law is actually going to affect small businesses. And because when was the last time you used Venmo at Walmart or PayPal at Walmart? Yeah. Now, granted, you can use a PayPal card. I'm sure there's Venmo cards. I know there's yeah. cash out cards. You can yeah. use all of those at Walmart as well. But that's showing up on their end as a debit transaction, not not going to their cash app account. They don't have to report that nonsense. But I I have seen small businesses that accept PayPal, like your your artist friend who lives in two, in a, two states over, right? They accept PayPal for their art or whatever. Now they have to actually pay taxes on that, even. If, or they have to report it to the IRS. Presumably, to be fair, they could have already been paying taxes on it. President Biden's IRS is cracking down on payments made through third-party apps requiring platforms like Venmo, PayPal, and Cash App to report transactions if they exceed $600 in one year. So it's not even a single $600 transaction. Oh, no. That's what I thought it meant. That's what I thought it meant as well, but... That in one year thing throws that out the window. If a single Cash App account or PayPal account or Venmo account receives more than $600 in a single year, they have to report that to the IRS. And it's ridiculous because there's even talk about getting rid of cash, like having us only be like electronic cash society. So there'll be absolutely no way to get around them stealing from you. Other than using cryptocurrency, you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean, that's what they want. That's why they want their central bank digital currencies that we talked about last night so that they know exactly how much money you have, where it is, how you're spending it, where it came from, and what you want to do with it so that they can cut you off at a moment's notice if that's what they choose to do. Sounds creepy. It's all about control. I'm I'm not a Christian or anything like that, but if you, Mark of the Beast type stuff, that's at least a mark of the beast, right? Yeah. The government being able to, because take a look at China and their social credit system. If you make the Chinese government sufficiently unhappy, they can already keep you from being able to get on the bus or to buy an automobile or to buy or to whatever. Now, once they have their central central digital bank currency in place, central bank digital currency in place, they'll be able to just shuts you out of the financial system entirely, and you don't have cash to fall back on. Yeah. There's no way for you to create a black market because you don't have anything that the government can't actively watch. So uh, about that secession bill. Yeah, right. <laughs> January the 20th, 3.30 p.m. I mean, we won't get a result at that point. But uh, but support. I mean, support is very important. We have to make our voices heard and, and I, let these people know that we are unhappy with their tyranny. We, we certainly will let them know that we're unhappy. They're, well, they should already know that, but... 
This is just, I think the hearing has, I think it was 15 committee members who are going to vote on whether or not to allow it to go to the full house or something like that. I don't remember all of these specifics, but there's already an email list where you can send all of these people emails. I've done that. It really, just go to nhexit.us. It takes like three minutes to do it. And there's just a single email address that will send all of these committee members your email voicing your support for this bill, especially if you're in New Hampshire or if one of these representatives is actually from your district. They'll take what you have to say a bit more seriously because they're actually supposed to be representing you. But this is just the committee hearing. Of course, we do want a large number of people there. I think the default committee hearing room seats, I think, between 30 and 50 people. I don't remember exactly now off the top of my head what it was. We want to bring in enough people where they have to move this to the actual main hearing place that seats up to 400 people. Can we do that? I think so. I think we probably can because being late in the afternoon, the keen libertarians here, we do (laughs) tend to wake up later than your average person. But 3.30 in the afternoon, even people like Mr. Penguin, who's on the show Friday nights, can make that. So pretty good chance that Keen by itself can get 15 to 20 people there. Oh, absolutely. I would be surprised if there were less than 400 people at this event. I would be very surprised. I'm hoping for that. You know, as the date is getting closer and it's becoming more real, I'm starting to think that that's probably not realistic. But then again, the news just broke today. I haven't seen any libertarians on Facebook or any free staters on Facebook or Twitter really talking about it because we're probably the first media organization to actually announce the date. So January the 20th at 3.30 p.m. for those out there in New Hampshire. What do you think about New Hampshire trying to get away from this nonsense of PayPal having to tell the government if you get more than $600 in a year? 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, and I want to tell you about Bitcoin.com, probably the best place to go to learn about cryptocurrency. If you want to get away from this economic madness being wrought by the federal government, by the U.S. federal government, especially under the Biden administration, cryptocurrency is probably your best bet against the inflation that they're causing, the taxation increases that they're causing. You can learn all about it at Bitcoin.com. Just click Getting Started at the top of the page. Take a few minutes out of your day to watch a couple of videos about this important world-changing information. But if you already know about Bitcoin, get on over to news.bitcoin.com to stay up-to-date on all of the news and headlines that are relevant to you, all in a slick, easy-to-use modern website. All of that and more at bitcoin.com. Let's go to the phones. We have Tom, who is on the line from New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Historians will look back and say that one of the key issues leading to the downfall of the Republic was the ratification of the 17th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Now, I asked you this during the break, but I realized that was kind of silly since I have to ask you this again. Now, refresh my memory. What is the 17th Amendment? Because I don't remember. The listeners aren't keeping track of that, and you pretty much have to look it up when you you have to see which one is which. But that was when the U.S. senators would no longer be elected by the state legislatures, but by the voters. And before that, pretty much they were 
on the side of the state legislature, and uh, their mission was uh, to do their duty to the best of their ability, but they were, would bind the federal government down with the chains of the Constitution. See, because they would keep the government, the federal government, from overstepping its boundaries, that were the proper role of the state governments. And so now, you have the federal government with all kinds of absurd misinterpretations of three key clauses in the Constitution: the General Welfare Clause, the Necessary and Proper Clause, and the Commerce Clause. And they are. Uh, for example, uh, now you've got federal uh, gun control laws that don't just apply when the gun is traveling across state lines, but when they're selling it in a store in a state and it's not crossing any state lines. See, that's totally unconstitutional. The Constitution doesn't give Congress the power to regulate. Not only does the Second Amendment forbid Congress to impose gun control laws, but the, it lacks any authority under the Constitution to impose laws on uh, drug trafficking within a state. The, the issue of federal restrictions okay. remaining, well, the state restrictions. I understand where are you're coming gone. from. You know, the state. I, I don't know why state repre- or state senators being more beholden to the people of the state rather than the legislatures of that state really is going to have an impact on how they go about wielding their power. However. How we got here to this point that we're at today isn't of much value to me as a person who's looking for solutions, right? It's helpful yeah. in the sense that, you know, it's good to know how we got here so that we don't repeat these the, the steps that landed us here. But I think the 17th Amendment is probably not the biggest one as much as it was just trying this constitutional republic where we know governments are evil. That's probably the bigger issue than who exactly is electing the senators. What do you think about well, New Hampshire independence? And if New Hampshire secedes peaceably from the United States, what could New Hampshire do to avoid the problems that the United States has had? They would not have uh, the drug control laws. They could have not have the gun control laws. They could not have the outrageous taxes for endless undeclared wars uh, and such things. You see, the senators selected by the state legislature but see we wouldn't have we wouldn't have senators in that case we well, would have we statewide have senators senate. yeah they, they when the state legislatures selected them they could select now let's see now who's most likely to adhere strictly to the doctrine of enumerated powers uh now instead they i don't know that i trust your average state legislature any more than i trust your average voter but In fact, the, I would I would expect that New Hampshire aside, a lot of these state legislatures are just trying to work the political machine until they can run for the U.S. House of Representatives or the U.S. Well, Senate. That's what it seems like. Yeah, that's uh, well the the issue. That's what they thought, seemed to think back when they ratified it. Now, take a look at alcohol prohibition, for example. That was proposed in 1918 when the Congress passed it, the United States Senate still had members elected by states in 1912. I don't think the the Prohibition Amendment was necessarily the worst thing the federal government ever did, though. I mean, they had already, you know, waged a war against other American citizens at that point and annihilated the South and killed like 600,000 Americans. I I would say that was... Yeah. 
And uh, what, what I'm getting at, however, notice that to ban alcohol required a constitutional amendment because there were United States senators who would not pass a federal statute to ban alcohol the way the United States senators nowadays uh, don't bother with the doctrine of enumerated powers to just pass federal statutes banning marijuana I even mean, in states where uh, all of that's fascinating it. and you know it's interesting from a historical perspective but it, it just doesn't do anything for me and thank you so much for the call tonight Tom to to know why some people opposed prohibition and they had to do it via an amendment rather than in state legislatures. Big deal. It it was still screwed up. It still didn't work. They still had to repeal it. And it didn't even make them slow down on prohibition. More things are prohibited today than probably it ever at any point in American history. So the the way they did prohibition before, all that did was teach them, okay, we'll just ignore the Constitution, ignore the enumerated powers, and just make it illegal anyway. Create a new government organization that declares it to be thus, and it will be thus. I mean, I don't worship the Constitution like some people do, but I can, you know, appreciate parts of it. But it's not the, the worst thing, thing ever written. Yeah, and that, yeah, that, that's a good point. That's a good way to put it. It's not the worst thing ever written. You know, I support the First Amendment. I support the Second Amendment, and I will adamantly say that. But the thing about the Supreme Court is they don't uphold the Constitution. No, I think Murray so, Rothbard said it best. You know, when we created the Supreme Court, it seems like a good idea until you really stop to think about how they're part of the state. And what we ultimately did was give the state the power to determine what the state was and wasn't allowed to do. Exactly. And at the end of the day, they're just people with titles. They're yes. no more holy than you or I or anybody else out there in listener land. So who gives them the right to say what's constitutional, like what's right and what's wrong? Well, that's part of the whole mythology, the whole religious aspect of the state, especially here in the United States. There, There is this mentality that these nine Supreme Court justices, they are somehow holier or wiser or cut from a different cloth than the average person. They're, they're greater. The Constitution means more to them, and they're going to consider it more meaningfully than the average American citizen could possibly even begin to understand. Yeah. But that's not really the way it is. These are ultimately just people. Some of them are probably quite stupid. I mean, the average person is pretty stupid. So the average politician, the average court justice probably is too. They just went into their career field of choice, which happened to be pedantics and arguing about the exact specific literal meaning of words. Six or, or as you might call them, libertarians. 603-283-6160 if you want to join us. It's Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com. Yeah! It's 
minutes. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. If you'd like to weigh in with your thoughts and opinions, that's 603-283-6160. We do in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And I have good news for our our viewers slash listeners on Odyssey. They have officially added timestamps to the chats. Now, previously, because of how they're set up, there's just one giant chat log for all of the live streams. Yeah. So if you looked, you wouldn't know exactly which date or what time that comment was made. Well, now you actually can do that. That's video.freetalklive.com because that's where people should be watching us. We're constantly being suspended from YouTube. Actually, I'm quite surprised with how long we've been going now on YouTube without being suspended again. It's almost a month at this point, maybe slightly more, and that's Almost a record since 2021 started. You know what that means? We need to spice it up a little bit. (laughs) Well, I suspect (laughs) a lot of it is that we're just not talking about COVID-19 very much these days. Don't care. Yeah, we've been sick of that since like March of 2020. (sighs) I don't know. And it's like, I feel like so much of the stuff I bring in is COVID related. And it's like... I don't want to keep talking about it, but it's just constantly being shoved down our throats that there's always stuff to talk about about it that is important. So it's like almost hard to avoid it sometimes. But in my experience, almost everything in the mainstream media is about COVID in one way or another. And even if it's not about COVID, they still find a way to bring it up anyway. But it's because of that that news engagement fell off a cliff in 2021 and i have a story about that so let's go ahead and get into it. we can come back to the 600 thing but there's not really much more to say about it social media interactions with news articles this is a percentage change from 2020 to 2021 social media interactions with news articles are down 65 percent that's more than half of people wow cut it more in half i don't know how to phrase that exactly but I've seen this myself, like previously in 2020, 2019, I would see an article that I was going to talk about in the show and I would give a quick little blurb about it and click the share icon and, you know, it would get some minor attention. Now it gets zero, no likes, no comments, no views, no anything. And it's because people are just burned out on this crap. They stopped interacting with it. Facebook and Twitter figured that out. And so they stopped showing it to people. Cable news, primetime viewers down 36%, and we knew that already because we talked about that before. News media app downloads down 33%. So engagement with news content plummeted last year compared to 2020. And given the ongoing decline in interest in news about COVID-19 and politics, I didn't even see that link before, so I'm going to go ahead and click that. Evidently, they have information. Yeah. Okay, so let's go directly into that because that's what I figured the actual source of the problem is and that's people are just sick of hearing about COVID-19 the Americans are tuning out Omicron news despite ominous threat says this article now that's for them it's bizarre (laughs) to me though I've seen this firsthand here in Keene I I suspect a large number of the small business owners here in Keene don't even know that there is a mask ordinance back in place. I didn't know. I found out on the show <laughs> on Sunday because someone mentioned it. Well, I no, I talked about how, oh, I've been seeing a lot more people wearing masks in the grocery stores. And either Captain or Richie was like, uh, yeah, maybe because there's like a mandate. And I was like, oh, really? I had no clue. I've just been completely tuning out 
any right? of the propaganda. I guess there's been signs around Keen. No, I haven't seen any signs. I guess I just tune them out now. Yeah, there are. I don't know. There are still some signs. I take my dog walking at Home Depot because they're super dog friendly there, and they have a little sign hanging up on their door. But I, I think that sign's probably been there for a, a year. Yeah. And it says something. It doesn't say masks are required. I think it says please wear a mask or something like that. I don't think Walmart has one up. Um, a number of stores here, these corporate giants, don't even have a sign up saying please wear a mask or anything like that. They did take one of those traffic signs that you know they can program words yeah. into, and they put keen mask ordinance. See, I think that's what they were talking about, and I was like, really? I just, I've just been driving by it every single day and just completely ignoring it. Well, it's very vague. It doesn't really say anything. It just says keen mask ordinance, and I think that's it. Like. Okay, cool. Those are all words. Good for you guys. <laughs> I certainly haven't seen it enforced anywhere. I haven't no. I haven't gone I haven't had anyone ask me to wear a mask going nope. anywhere. I haven't worn a mask. I can't even remember the last time I wore a mask. And even in places where they're like, there's a sign on the door, you have to wear a mask. When you go in now, employees don't even like, oh, because I remember in the beginning of the pandemic, people were kind of like a lot of employees would be like, no, no, no. What are you doing? You have to put a mask on. You can't come in here and they'd kind of fight you on it. Oh, yeah. They had a power trip thing going on back yeah. then. Now they are just so defeated. They won't even say anything. Yeah, they don't they don't care anymore. It's nope. They've been dealing with it for too long and good for them for finally realizing, hey, you know what? I'm just going to leave people alone. Yeah. <laughs> New data shows that the Omicron variant is not jump-starting Americans' engagement in COVID news. That's because the, look, the the media has been crying wolf for the last almost two entire years saying, oh God, this variant's going to fill the hospitals, everyone's going to die, and then it was this other variant, and then the Delta variant. They beat us with that nonsense for an entire year, and then they trot out the Omicron variant, and they can't even get their messaging straight about it. Is it less deadly? Is it more deadly? Is it more contagious? Is it less contagious? Do the shots help against it or not? Because it doesn't seem like they do. Well, it didn't seem like they helped against Delta either, but it really doesn't seem like they helped against Omicron. And now the CDC is changing their guidelines. I haven't looked at the CDC mask guidelines or any of their guidelines and since probably August was the last time, I was just curious, what is the CDC actually saying about people wearing masks? And it was so convoluted and so confusing that previously when the CDC made a new guideline, all the media was talking about it because it was clear, it was concise, it was stupid, but it was at least presented in a way that the average person could process and understand. That that hasn't been the case in a long time. Their new guideline about testing is if you've been exposed, you have to quarantine for five days but you don't have to get tested afterward. Or if you have COVID, you don't have to get tested after five days if you don't have symptoms. It's so confusing. I can't I can't even pretend to be surprised that Americans are just tuning this garbage out. And it's like they're just changing it to whatever is convenient. I know a they, lot of healthcare workers who are very upset right now because if you get COVID, you still have to go to work. The CDC changed the guidelines that was like, if you're asymptomatic, still come to work or quarantine for five. Like They cut it down from 14 days to five days. And it's like, OK, well, if this is more deadly and it's more contagious, then why are we reversing things? So they're saying it's scary, more contagious, more deadly, you know, be afraid. 
but then they're cutting back all of their guidelines. So it's like they're saying one thing, but telling people to do the opposite of what would make sense. And I think people are starting to wake up to that and be like, wait, what is the like now? It seems like everybody's upset with the CDC. Like we were kind of. I've never been for, happy with them. <laughs> no, exactly. Like we were kind of like, what the heck are you doing the whole time? And now it seems like the hardcore believers, they're losing faith in the CDC too. So mm, not going to be good for them. It's not surprising. I mean, didn't they come out and outright say that the reason they're re- reducing the number of quarantine days and the testing requirement, it's not because of the science or anything like that. It's just because airlines are having to cancel too many flights and people need to be able to get back to work and stuff yeah. like that. I, I'm pretty sure, and it's probably disappeared down the memory hole right now, but when they first started floating out these new guidelines, I'm pretty sure they were like, look, we've got to get people back to work faster. That's yeah. what this is about. Yeah, and that's that, literally literally what they said. And that's what it's about now, but they're going to say, no, this is about science. The science supports this, but they just picking it, picking numbers out. First, it was 14 days and you had to have a negative test in order to return to work. Then it was 10 and now it's five and there's no test required if you don't have symptoms or if you test positive and don't have symptoms, you can continue to work until you develop symptoms. What the hell, CDC? You had one job and that was to keep America safe from the pandemic. And not only did you fail to do that, you managed to turn what would have been one season of people dealing with the cold into two years of economic hardship and suffering. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where you're invited to join us, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to weigh in. That's 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria and Nikki, and I suspect most of our listeners are probably as burned out on COVID-19 news as we have been for almost two entire years now. In fact, we're one day away from celebrating the January 6th quote insurrection i'm told there's going to be a protest in concord tomorrow i'm currently awaiting more details about it because it sounds like it would be really fun where they're going to build an igloo i believe at the state house (gasps) wow that sounds like fun it does right but it's going to be tricky it's i'm waiting to find out whether or not you know the people involved are actually serious because unusually there's no ice or snow on the ground right now. I know. It, I, I love the snow, so I'm really bummed about that. But we'll need some snow so we can build an igloo. I'm also very good at building igloos, so I would like to be part <laughs> of this. See, I don't like the snow, but I have a golden retriever who loves it. Oh, uh, yeah. And there's like there should be like giant 20-foot tall mounds of snow piled up in parking lots right now. Instead, there's none anywhere. But I've noticed that the winter has kind of been like postponed the past five years. Like we used to start getting snow, obviously, before Christmas. And now it seems like we don't get those crazy blizzards until February and March. So I don't know what's going on here. Well, I'm hoping we see some of those just so that my dog can run out there into it and like can, just be buried up to her head and she whip snowballs into her mouth. Yeah, I, well, I already do that. I discovered the other day because I ordered breakfast from somewhere and I don't eat bacon and they accidentally put bacon on it. So I just sat there throwing bacon at her, like just trying to hit her in the face with it. She got really, really good really quickly at catching it, <laughs> which was amazing because normally when I like throw something to her, she like tries to get out of the way. But with this bacon, man, 
changes things. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> so speaking of things changing, I've noticed this at um, my previous job before I left there as well, where it's like people had no idea what was going on with COVID-19 or the news or anything like that. They didn't. Most of them aren't boosted. In fact, I don't think any of them are boosted. They don't see the need to get boosted. I don't think they knew anything about the Delta variant other than having heard about it or seen people freaking out about it. It's just not stuff the average person is paying attention to anymore. And that's because they're obviously burned out on it. A lack of widespread appreciation of the threat could hamper the response on the Omicron variant. Oh, God. My sense of things is that the lower levels of public engagement are due to pandemic fatigue setting in. No, it's boy crying wolf fatigue setting in. And a perceived sense of this variant is probably no more dangerous than previous variants. Again, that yeah, like I said, boy cried wolf syndrome. They're saying, oh, this one's, this one's the dangerous one. Yeah, you've been saying that for quite a long time and people are kind of sick of hearing it and they don't pay attention to you after you've cried wolf too many times. Social media interactions, likes, comments, shares on news articles on COVID had declined dramatically during the course of the pandemic from 1,171 per article in March down to 326 in December and then dropping to an average of 108 over the last few weeks. So it's unclear at this point whether it's talking about all... The the previous article was talking about all news. This one's talking about COVID-only news. So the COVID news appears to be the biggest drop in more than 90% reduction in social media interactions from 1,171 all the way down to 108. When it kind of seems like a lot of the articles, it's like the same thing every time, just over and over again. And like, how boring is that? Nobody wants to hear the same thing over and over again. Good point. Google searches about COVID have ticked up since Omicron arrived in the U.S., but are well below the August interest in the Delta variant. CDC data on online conversations. So the CDC is monitoring online conversations. For those who glossed over that particular part of the statement, it literally begins CDC data on online conversations. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's going to fall within the CDC's purview to monitor online conversations, but they're doing it. It shows that Omicron became the most talked about COVID topic starting on November the 25th. The urgency and novelty of the COVID news in the early days of the pandemic has given way to fatigue as new readers grow used to the same cycles of coverage. As you as you were talking about, it's, it's the same stuff on DrudgeReport.com every single day. Where it's like, this country's recommending a fourth booster. This country's doing this. This country's authorizing it for teens. It's like, yeah, I've seen these headlines before. I don't want to hear any more about it. What is Australia doing? I wouldn't mind hearing an update about Australia because a month yeah. and a half ago it was all about Australia and New South Wales and their lockdowns, but now it's now they're too busy talking about the Omicron variant. The Trump era and the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic created a one-of-a-kind media moment that will be hard for news companies to replicate. With fewer singular storylines capturing Americans' collective attention, news consumption was more scattered and diverted to sports. Data shows that the Omicron variant is not jumpstarting Americans' engagement in COVID news like it did at the onset of the pandemic. Again, almost two years ago, almost two years of the mainstream media feeding people this nonsense day after day. And now they're sitting there going, why, why isn't anyone paying attention to us anymore? Meanwhile, Joe Rogan is averaging like 
six times the daily number of listens as people like great, Rachel Maddow and stuff like this. That's a great point. People are turning towards alternate news sources because they're more interesting and, mm, I don't know, they're not blatantly lying to them. People don't want to be lied to. I mean, it kind of seems like sometimes they do, but I think people are starting to wake up. I haven't checked the numbers, but to that point, I think Mark said that 2021 was a record year for podcast downloads for Free Talk Live. So, yeah, people don't want to hear this crap. They want to hear something unique, something from a different perspective, something that isn't just the same crap they're hearing everywhere else. Primetime news viewership was down 36% across the three major cable news networks. That's Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC, with the steepest decline during that time frame happening at CNN. Interestingly enough, app downloads for the top mainstream publishers dropped 33%. And of course, website visits for the top performing news websites in the U.S. tracked by some company dropped 8%. So people are still turning to the internet, but even that's decreased as well. They'd rather read an article than watch the news, apparently, because that would allow them to actually choose what they're interested in rather than just hearing about COVID or whatever. The news sucks. It does. <laughs> and not in a good way. Like, not like Primus sucks. Like, no, it actually is terrible. <laughs> a few landmark events like the Beijing Winter Olympics and the 2022 midterm elections could provide some much needed traffic boosts for publishers looking to hold on to fleeting numbers. Uh, the Capitol riots also drove the riots now. There's a, there were more than one, and there wasn't even one, but the Capitol riots. Good Lord, I just want to back up for a moment to read this nonsense in its glory. The full year drop in news engagement would have been even more dramatic were it not for the enormous amount of news traffic driven by the Capitol siege in January. The Capitol riots drove a massive global strike spike in January 2021. Overall, Chartbeat found that among 4,000 publishers globally, oh, and then they just repeat themselves previously instead of continuing on with that point listed under the other bullet point about the capital riots capital riots now because i don't remember multiple riots i don't remember any riots i also don't remember one riot i remember and what could best be described as a no-knock raid on the federal government huh they don't like it when people do that to them and some of the people there did raid but as far as i could tell most of the people were just in a place they weren't really authorized to be. So I remember in kindergarten or preschool, we were taught treat others the way you would like to be treated. <laughs> so how's yeah. that? It is hard for me to have much sympathy with them, considering that like two months and 10 days after they were raided, they kind of did the same thing to me, except, you know, they were armed and they actually broke stuff and stole stuff and, you know, did that whole thing. So people aren't paying attention to news. I'm not surprised by it. Uh, that's been going on for a long time. Though. We've been talking about the decline of mainstream media here because of largely pandemic fatigue. But thankfully, MSNBC has, in fact, demonstrated that it is pandemic fatigue that is fueling the vast majority of this almost a 90% reduction in people's attention to COVID-19. I think at this point, people are realizing, I hope at this point, the average person is realizing that they backed the wrong horse here. The horse to back wasn't the government, it wasn't the lockdowns, it wasn't the vaccines. The only way through this garbage was what, you know, the the free thinkers, the the rebels, the libertarians, whatever you want to call them, were saying all along, which is, look, it's a cold, 
The only way to get it is to actually catch it and get over it. And if we had done that, it wouldn't have been that bad. But we stretched this two weeks to flatten the curve now into almost two years of this nonsense. And it's still ongoing. People have just tuned it out because they've heard it too much already. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in about hopefully anything other than COVID-19. 603-283-6160. It's Free Talk Live. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can weigh in with your thoughts and opinions. 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. And with you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And for those who don't remember, River Dave uh, is a off-the-grid guy here in New Hampshire. There, there's a surprising number of these types of people here in New Hampshire as well. He had a cabin and an agreement with the previous owners of the land that he could live there and that they would leave him alone and he would, you know, be a good steward of whatever land he was living on. But then the land was sold. Someone else bought it and he was evicted. I don't remember the exact story, but you have an update on that. Evidently, I do. The mainstream media is now talking about him, which is surprising to me. I was surprised. I saw a lot of New Hampshire sources talking about River Dave, and I know we covered River Dave on Free Talk Live at some point. But Yahoo News, I found this article, and then there was one on The Guardian and maybe like a couple other mainstream news sources. So River Dave is famous. Good for him. (laughs) But unfortunately, River Dave has been arrested yet again after returning to live at his cabin site that was mysteriously burnt down. So... A, form, a former hermit in New Hampshire whose cabin in the woods burned down He's after... He's a former hermit because they took away his home and kicked him out. No, they were they were saying that he's a hermit because he's not like living on the grid. But they described him as a former hermit, right? Yeah, former because... Because they kicked him know. out and took his home. So he can't be yeah. a hermit anymore. He has to interact with people. Oh, now I get what you're saying. It's unfortunate. Poor poor River Dave. Dude, just minding his own business. Literally. So his cabin in the woods burned down after nearly three decades on the property that that he was ordered to leave has been charged with trespassing there once again, 
turning a shed that survived the fire into a makeshift home outfitted with a wood stove. So they burned down this dude's home. And then when he returned there again, he found a shed that escaped the fire. I was like, all right, well, this will have to do then. Yeah. And then they arrested him for trespassing. Instead of because he's not bothering anyone doing this. He's literally this this plot of land, it's forty nine acres of land. The people that own the land are from Vermont. So they're oh, probably they are. assumingly they're not there all the time. Like he's literally like out in the middle of nowhere hurting nobody. And I don't know exactly the details. I don't know if the landowners keep calling the cops or I don't know if the you know environmental police or whoever are kind of patrolling the area because they knew he was once there. I don't know the story, but what I do know is that I don't believe in coincidences and I don't believe that right before he was about to be released from jail, his house just miraculously burst in flames after him living in this house for almost 30 years. That does not happen. Somebody set his house on fire that is terrible. And if anybody needs to be prosecuted, it is not River Dave. It is whoever burnt his house down. I don't know if it's the landowners. That's kind of a muddy area because it is technically their land. But it's it just it just gets complicated there because it's like, isn't he was there first? Yeah, I don't know if I agree with a society that would allow someone to live totally off the grid. I mean, he's not making money here, so it's not like he if he's given the opportunity to buy the land, it's not like he can put up any money to yeah. do that, right? So he's been living there for three decades, not hurting anyone, minding his own business, not causing any problems. And then some people from out of town buy the land and like, nope, I don't care that it's been three decades. I don't care that you've got nothing and nowhere to go. You have to get out and we're going to have you arrested. I don't want to live in a society and damn you and your libertarian principles if you're sitting there saying, but the new property owners have property rights and yeah. they can evict him if they want. No, no, they didn't have the right to buy that pop property, in my opinion. Because it was his property. Yeah. It, it would have been better, I think, for the original owners to have actually trans- transferred the ownership of some portion of it yeah. to him. But maybe they couldn't do that for whatever reason. Maybe the buyers weren't interested in oh, well, we have to have this little quarter acre as well, or we're not taking it. This should nev- This sale should never been allowed to happen in these circumstances. And someone dropped the ball somewhere along the way, and I'm not just going to excuse the previous landowners or the new landowners because, oh, but I'm a libertarian and property rights, I don't yeah. really care. That's not the issue here. When, when your property rights are more important are being used to justify taking away someone's home after 30 years of living there peacefully and minding their own business, there's an issue here where your principles don't really have an answer. Yeah, I agree. So there has been an outpouring of support for River Dave since he was arrested in July and accused of squatting on property owned by a Vermont man. His cabin burnt down in August while he was jailed. River Dave was a local celebrity to boaters and kayakers on the Merrimack River before his property dispute caught the attention of the masses, bringing in over $200,000 in donations to help him start a new law-abiding life. Okay, well, that that kind of changes things. I mean, with $200,000... $200,000, he should rebuild his cabin where he wants to live, which clearly he loves this land. It's right by the river. It does seem like the people from Vermont would be willing to work with him at this point. Like, hey, look. It's like 50 acres of land. But he doesn't need that much, 
Yeah, right? no, exactly. No, the whole entire plot of land is 49 acres. So, like, just give River Dave his little section. And, I mean, they, don't have you know, to, they don't even have to give it to him, right? They're just like, hey, look, okay, you raised a pretty good amount of money. That's pretty impressive. Give us 100000 Use the other yeah. 100000 to rebuild your cabin, and we'll let you live here. We'll give you a 99-year lease on, on this little bit of property. Yeah. They could work with him on this, and I would they argue could. the ethical thing for them to do in this circumstance would be to work with them, him on this. Did they not know he was there before they bought the land? That they, I think they land? had no clue he was there. I don't know the fine details of it. Like I don't know if his little cabin is close to their house or if it's like off in the woods. I know my friend has a lot of land. And it she, sounds like it's definitely in the woods if he was popular with, I, the, I think you said, the, boaters and, and kayakers. So yeah. he's like right by the river. But I know I have a friend who was saying that she heard a rumor about there being cabins behind her house. And she she has no clue because when you have that much land, it takes some time to explore it, you know? And why would you care so, if there's cabins back there? They're not hurting yeah, you. Yeah, they, exactly. They're not, they're not damaging your land value. They're not call, killing your cats or whatever they're literally just people living out there i've got better things in my life to deal with than oh god is someone living in a tent in my in the woods behind my house and it's unfortunate because i feel like when things like this happen it's always like homeless people or like people living like very much so like within their means you know just living a very simple lifestyle those are always the people that are getting targeted. If you're not giving the state money and if you're not like constantly, you know, being law abiding, then they'll attack you. And it's like a lot of the times homeless people living in tents, like they're not hurting anybody, but it doesn't look good when they're not paying taxes. So it's unacceptable in society and it's just it's really it's unethical and it's not right. Yeah, I don't have a good answer. I know the libertarians are like, oh, private property rights. These private these property owners can do whatever they want. But society dropped the ball at so many points building up to this where it should have never been allowed to happen. There should have been some sort of land somewhere in the United States that wasn't claimed by some government or individual. Of course, you can't find that anywhere in the United States. Yeah. Every acre of land is owned by either the government, a state government, or mostly the federal government, yeah. or an individual. There's plenty of woods here in New Hampshire that belong to, quote, the state of New Hampshire. He should have the right to just go there and build his cabin if he wants, but they would arrest him for that. Some yeah. some state it's, park agency would arrest him for that. It's ridiculous. So the article goes on to say that River Dave, who was grateful for the support, had secured temporary housing as he figured out where to live next and believed that he could not go back to being a hermit. But he returned to the site in Canterbury in late November, turning the wooden shed into a home. He was arrested on trespassing charges December 14th and faces a court hearing in March. Well, I wish him the best on this. 603-283-6160. I'm sure there's libertarians out there who want to school me on property rights at the moment. So you're welcome to. Again, that number 603-283-6160. When we get back, we're going to be talking about UFOs and a triple whammy. So scientific.
It's Free Talk Live, and we're raising money with Give Directly, the first nonprofit that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty, which is obviously better than allowing distant aid organizations to figure out, you know, what this family in Bamet County in Kenya needs. Instead, that family can actually, you know, figure out for themselves what they need and Give Directly allows them to actually be given the cash that they need in order to buy the things that will improve their life, like employment, nutrition, health, education, these important things that would help lift them out of poverty. Give.freetalklive.com. That's our link if you want to contribute to our do- our campaign where we're matching your funds up to $30,000. And again, this money is going directly to families in Bomet and Khalifi counties. These places have been hit, these places have been hit by drought, famine, and all manner of corrupt governments, all that all that wonderful stuff that we don't really have to deal with to that extent here in the United States. So if you're feeling char- charitable, head on over to give.freetalklive.com. There may not be a better way to help you know people living in poverty. Again, that's give.freetalklive.com. We have Sarah calling from New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, yes, I just want to <clears throat> mention that our state... Um, is going to increase cigarette taxes some more um, beginning of this year, and I'm so happy about it. Why? You know, including why? Oh, because it's going to be um, less uh, teenagers and homeless people buying cigarettes to bother I, me with secondhand smoke. I don't. You know, I don't I know if that's how it works, it. though. Because <laughs> yeah. so at one point. And I, I even watched this, you know, where I'm from at I the first memory I have of cigarettes, they were like six dollars. And then by the time I mean now, like around here in like New Hampshire and well, maybe not New Hampshire, New Hampshire, it's less. But in Massachusetts, still at least pricey here in New Hampshire, it's still it's about like, eight dollars a pack for the in, premium brands in um in mass. It's like. 12 to 13 dollars for a pack of like Marlboro Reds. See, and, and no people are me. still smoking cigarettes and I don't think the amount of people that smoke has decreased. I still think there's a lot of kids smoking cigarettes. So I'm not sure if increasing the sin tax on cigarettes or whatever it's called is going to really fix that problem. It doesn't seem to um the increase, because when I lived in Mississippi, your average premium pack of cigarettes was like $5 a pack. And yeah. you, you could get right. like brands of Marlboro or the cheaper brands of Marlboro that were like $4 a pack. So even coming here to New Hampshire, where the price was almost double that, it didn't really phase me that much. No one warned me the first time I went to Massachusetts for a rock concert that I needed to buy cigarettes before I left New Hampshire. So that was a bit of a sticker shock. But it still didn't stop me from buying cigarettes. And Massachusetts, Connecticut, Vermont, New Hampshire, they're all just so close together that there's a reason that here in New Hampshire, one of the first things you see is a liquor store. Yep. It's because people from those states, they just go, okay, we'll go to New Hampshire to buy our liquor. And now they're saying that that's why when Connecticut first banned menthol cigarettes, I couldn't find the cigarettes that I smoked anywhere here in Keene or Swansea because people had come up from Connecticut and Rhode Island and I think Massachusetts and bought them all. Eventually that problem did fix itself and people stopped doing it, but I wasn't prepared for it then. So people won't just stop smoking. They'll just take a little bit of further drive and, you know, buy an entire carton from a state over instead of buying them one pack at a time. It's just losing tax money for the state of New Mexico, Sarah. 
No, it's increasing tax money. What what they're doing is that they're going to stop taxing the Social Security on the elderly. No, hold on, Sarah. What, hold on. Have... It increases the tax rate on cigarettes. It decreases the tax revenue gained from cigarettes because people will just go elsewhere to buy their cigarettes. Yeah, so but you see, uh, why you... would they do that? I wouldn't be that stupid. I wouldn't waste my gas to save a couple of cents. That's that's crazy unless they are crazy. So you think but it's oh, all in your head. So this is just a couple of cents. You think you think a couple of extra pennies is going to deter people and cause them to give up a lifelong addiction to an extremely addictive substance? So like, huh, well, you know, I was willing to pay seven dollars and twenty six cents, but seven dollars and thirty six cents. Uh-uh, you've lost me, man. One time, too many. Think about it. It might go up 50, 70 cents uh, for New Mexico. We're not New England. This is a lot cheaper out here. It might go up 50, 60, 70. I I don't know, but maybe like 50, 60 cents. But still, in other words, you have no idea what the increase actually is, right? I I don't really know yet. Okay. But what they're going to do is they're going to stop taxing the elderly people. They were taxing the Social Security. They were doing that in this state, one of the only last 13 states. And start, and they're going to leave them alone, and now they're going to go after the smokers, which is good, because when they get sick, when they want oxygen, they want um, like all this chemotherapy, lung cancer, all this, we have to treat them out of our tax dollars and our Medicaid. We better get the damage deposit up front right now, because they're going to use it later on. They can get money out of them right, right now, because they're going to get sick and wind up in a hospital, and we all going to have to pay for it when they're dying. Sarah, I have a question for you. So you're Mm -hmm. saying that, or you were implying at least, that people that smoke cigarettes are more likely to get lung cancer and COPD and need more medical care, correct? Right, right. And then, obviously, they're going to be broke because they bought all all their money on cigarettes, and they're going to have have to pay for it with Medicaid. So what do you think about fat people? Like, what do you think about people that eat McDonald's? Should there be a McDonald's tax because they're consuming food that is going to give them cancer? Well, I, I don't know about the McDonald's, but I do support the soda pop tax. I've always, I called into the show. Hold on, hold on Sarah. Him. Hold on. Your average cigarette smoker, I don't have any data to back this up, to be fair, but I'm willing to bet your average cigarette smoker who doesn't eat McDonald's is healthier than your average non-smoker who does eat McDonald's. Well, it's just, I, 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 don't, I don't know about the McDonald's tax, but I mean, I, I don't know how really bad their food is, but I did say I, I support the sugar tax, the soda pop, the sugar tax. I've always, been, if they could put taxes on Twinkies and Ding Dongs and donuts, I would be all for it. Because people are getting Why? way too much sugar. Because the thing is that they play well, on people that are ignoramus. They, they tell companies like Monsanto and Kellogg's and, you know, Chef Boyardee and Lay's to stop putting sugar in everything. That's the reason the average American is eating too much sugar is because there's sugar in everything. It's an addictive chemical, yeah. Yeah, that's why I said I called yesterday about how they like to dumb down the public. All the TV, they, they like the dumber we are. They want to get rid of Sesame Street. They don't want you to earn an, uh, learn an alphabet, not even a, um, a number, a word for that show. Because they want people so dumbed down. That they so will they support just, things like sugar taxes and cigarette taxes, even though they don't seem to have any actual impact. Right, Sarah? Hello? Well, you know what? In my opinion, they do have... You guys think that it makes no difference, but I do see that there's less smokers. In my opinion, it's one more thing that we could get people to get safe. 
I, I don't know that I agree, Sarah. And aren't you the same person who called like three weeks ago complaining about how many people there were smoking, even though the state of New Mexico has already increased its cigarette tax from 91 cents to $1.60 all the way up to $2 a pack. And it doesn't seem to actually have any impact. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off. Now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com. It's Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160 if you'd like to weigh in. Again, the number 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And I want to say thank you to Richard Thompson, who is tonight's amplifier. This means that Richard is a member of the AMPS program. You can find it at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Richard is an Australian-level member of the AMPS program, which there are generally different tiers, silver, gold, platinum. There's a diamond tier now and a platinum tier and some others, but five bucks per month is what it takes to get you in as a silver membership unless you're paying in Australian dollars, in which case you can use a smaller amount. So I've created, it's not even existing on Patreon, I just wrote it down as the Australian app level because evidently you can do that. So, But thank you, Richard Thompson. And for all I know, you know, $3 or whatever in Australian dollars is the same thing as $5 in the U.S. I have no, I have no idea. But 5 bucks per month is generally all it takes to get you in. That's amps.freetalklive.com. It does co- come with a number of cool little perks like an app-only podcast, but... If you join the AMPS program, it should be because you like the show and you want to help support it, help it reach larger audiences, all of that awesome stuff. So thank you, Richard. Again, that link is amps.freetalklive.com. We have CW who's calling from California. CW, you're on Free Talk Live. Well, it's KTOX 1340 AM. It is in California, but I'm currently in Arizona. That's where I listen to it. That's right. I knew that. Arizona, baby. No California crap here. Thank you for the correction. I knew it was KTOX, and I knew that was in California, so I just went with that. But now that you uh, yeah, mentioned yeah. I do remember you saying that you didn't actually live in California. Good for you for that. It sounds like a nightmare there. Oh, yeah, it is. But you know what? Uh, the station is actually a sanctuary city where they broadcast from for Second Amendment. So they're pretty awesome. much not California. So Cool. Well, I mean, they broadcast um, us there, so it's got to be pretty cool. Yes, it, it is. But... um. You know, uh, that one communist lady, I don't think she's communist. I actually think she's uh, she's 
uh, what do you, I, I don't know if I'm going to convey it right, but she's somebody that's trying to prove how dumb these ideas are. <laughs> You're referring to Sarah from New Mexico, the previous caller, and honestly, the, the nightly caller, who is a self-proscribed, self-described communist who claims to have actually attended communist meetings and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. I'm not sure if she's, like, joking or if she's serious with her calls. No, I, I think there's another party that's involved that makes her call you because you probably have tens of millions of uh, listeners, right? It's it's hard to say, given that most of it's oh, radio. Okay. We have no idea who's well, tuning into which well, radio station. Well, I, I, I didn't want to say dozens. I wanted to say more than that. So Definitely more than dozens. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, she was talking. The one thing that really hit me is, you know, they say they, they're trying to dumb down America. Well, yeah, if you got ideas like her, they want the dumb people that think like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they they certainly do, and I think we called her to task on that last night because that was all she wanted to talk about last night was how, you know, governments, they want people to be dumber, and when we pointed out to her, okay, well, communist governments also want you to be dumber, she's like, well, no, I I think they're different. Hmm. So, a lot of cognitive dissonance at work there, I think. They're not trying to take away Sesame Street, they're trying to make Sesame Street more dumb, so people follow these dumb ideas. I mean... Sesame Street is getting pretty dumb. Well, it was say. always for like three and four year olds, right? Okay, but the yeah. stuff I recently watched an episode of Sesame Street because they were doing like vaccine propaganda. So I'm like, okay, like I ha- I have to watch this, and it was pretty scary. Like it was straight up indoctrination level propaganda that they're feeding for these, like you said, three and four year olds. It's not great. As I understand it, though, yeah. that's sort of always been the case with Sesame Street. Like, didn't they have an HIV positive character back in the 90s or something that <sighs> upset people to remember the that. same extent? I, I'll have to check into it. But look, the thing is, with Sesame Street, it's it's not so much, you know, you look, these type of shows shouldn't be about indoctrination. They should be about life issues. Okay, so HIV is a life issue, but you don't indoctrinate them into things like you must get this vaccine, you know. It, it, yeah, I agree so with you. Not even it, look. You want to teach them their ABCs, their their numbers, how to count. Not not some crazy ass ideas that are just gonna make them confused about these issues. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, the whole point of Sesame Street was supposed to be to help kids who weren't from advantaged communi- communities enter preschool and kindergarten already knowing how to some some basics of how to count and yeah. alphabet and how to do basic arithmetic and things like that. Yes, the, the, the essentials of life pretty much going into life, you know, growing up. Not oh God, it's just but anyways, besides well, the point, um yeah. the the cigarette tax, man, of course they want to raise the taxes little by little because these these the people that are getting the tax revenue, they're gonna make millions and billions of dollars every 10 cents they make and then eventually it's going to add up to another $10 you know throughout a a 5-10 year period they're going to make all that money and they're getting rich fat cat they're they're doing off the dumb people that want to smoke I mean I smoke I smoke for 30 years pretty much I smoke 100 cigarettes a day but you know what And, and that leads into my other point I don't eat McDonald's 
but I sure damn feel a lot healthier than any fat person that eats McDonald's on a daily basis. Yeah, Nikki and I you both know? looked into that. The numbers were pretty clear that eating fast food is going to shorten your lifespan more than smoking. So you're and, absolutely right. And I, I'm glad that data did actually hold up because it feels right as someone who's yeah. relatively, in, uh, other than the fact that my lungs smoke, my lungs suck because I've been smoking for the last 20 years, I'm in really good physical health. Versus a lot of people I can think of, especially in the South where I was recently, who eat fast food every meal of every day and who are significantly unhealthy. And let me tell you, we want to talk about lungs. I bet you, you can breathe a lot better than they can. Just the weight of having that much fat. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen how fatigued a very obese person gets just like walking I watch a lot of my 600 pound life, so I'm I'm very well versed on the topic of fat people. So, see, that's scary to me because one of the things that really first got my attention, first got me to actually try quitting smoking. I finally been successful. A lot of people watching the video feeds are watching me vape. I, I would just point out that this is actually zero milligrams nicotine, so it's literally just out of habit at this point. Was when I was doing IT work for a client, and I walked up the stairs to do their work. I got to their office, and they were like, "Do you?" Do you need to sit down. Are you okay? You need to catch your breath. I was like, I'm fine. I didn't even notice. Yeah, it's just normal. That I was out of breath. I was like, okay, yeah, this is an issue because when you, when you're 22 years old, however hell old I was, then you think, you know, cigarette smoking is going to kill me. I'm going to die of lung cancer, but it's not just this, oh, you're perfectly healthy, able to breathe, and then suddenly you die. It's a very slow, gradual descent. Yeah. So even at that age, after only having been smoking for like a decade, walking upstairs was already like it was something I could easily do, but yeah, I was winded afterwards and didn't even notice it. So I can imagine it being worse for like obese people and, you know, eating a lot of fast food is definitely going to cause obesity because it is overloaded with sugar. For the, There was this guy on Twitter last year, and I was telling you about this during the break, who on Twitter, he made this giant thread where he air fried a hot dog. For, I think, 120 minutes. It's literally my worst nightmare. I hate hot dogs so much. I just can't even, like, just thinking about that smell makes me very upset. I can't imagine (laughs) what the smell was like after, like, the first 30 minutes. And he continued on for a full two hours of this. Well, this year, he did some sort of burger from McDonald's. I think it it was a Quarter Pounder or a Big Mac or something like that. I don't remember. But the hot dog went by the end of it. It was It was just this skinny little lump of charcoal looking thing that he did by the way bite into and eat so that makes me really upset but (laughs) the mcdonald's burger by the end of it it still looked like a burger the bun was a little blackened in places the 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 bread survived 120 minutes in those preservatives man yeah that cannot be good for you please stop eating mcdonald's and you're going to find the same crap at burger king and all of these other places at least cigarette. If you throw a cigarette in an air fryer for 120 minutes, sure, the fiberglass will probably survive, but none of the paper or tobacco will. And that's the part that you're sucking into your lungs. 603-283-6160 if you want to weigh in. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, where you can take control of the airwaves, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160 if you'd like to do that. 
Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we do have our own social media server. I know there's a new one called Gapper or Gabber or some sort of nonsense like that that's supposed to replace Parlor, which was supposed to replace Gab, which was supposed to replace Twitter, because these people just seem to think that jumping from one centralized solution to another is somehow going to solve all of their problems. And maybe... Maybe in the maybe it sort of will. Let the Democrats and the leftists have have Twitter. Let the crazy religious conservatives have Gab. Let the crazy alt right have uh, Parler, and let the other conservative group have this new one. And let the libertarians have our decentralized solution that actually works for people who care about being able to express themselves freely, regardless of what they have to say. And we have that at social.freetalklive.com. It's built on Mastodon, so you can actually interact with other servers. You're not limited to just the Free Talk Live server. You can interact with the Liberdon server as well. I'm not sure how the background of all of that really works. I just know it's there. It's really cool. And if you think you're just there posting to other Free Talk Live listeners, no, it's it's actually a lot cooler than that. You're also reaching the Liberdon servers and presumably presumably the other servers that they're federated with because it's a giant web it's not really decentralized it's federated and it's just this giant web of mastodon servers that are just communicating with each other voluntarily and where you can't be censored i mean sure uh we we could in theory censor you but we never have and we're never going to because that's counter to everything we have stood for for the last 20 years here on free talk live i haven't been here that long but still same concept. That's social.freetalklive.com. We have a lot of links, so I had to actually check which one I was actually promoting just now. That's social.freetalklive.com. We have Richard calling from New Mexico. Richard, you're on Free Talk Live. Are you with us? Yeah, there seems to be a conversation tonight about raising taxes. I just turned 71 years old last month, and Taxes, states have taxed different products depending on what the states want to manipulate. Every once in a while when the price of gases has dropped, states want to raise the gasoline tax. People, if the price of beer drops, they want to put a tax on beer and alcohol I I remember back in the 60s when a pack of cigarettes was 15 cents a pack and you could buy a whole carton of cigarettes for close to a dollar dollar 25 and now a pack of cigarettes is around 8 to 10 dollars a pack States want to raise... Sure. Not all of that is a result of taxes though. Some of that is a result of inflation which caused a corresponding increase in prices that an increase in wages for the tobacco workers required them to raise the price on cigarettes and all of that sort of thing. So not all of that is a result of the increase in taxes, but if or and some of it's related to an increase in the cost of living. Like I know New Hampshire doesn't have four dollars more per pack of cigarettes on taxes than the state of Mississippi does, but there's a lot more money in New Hampshire, so proportionally. That probably works out to being about right. Yeah, food in Mississippi is probably less expensive than it is in New Hampshire, so right. it's kind of all relative. Yeah, it just seems like 
if people put put taxes on sugar products, soda pops, different states want to put taxes on soda pop, and it all increases the state's coffer, and who gets hurt in the end? The little people, or they use the excuse that raising cigarette taxes is going to deter cigarette smoking. You raise tax on alcohol, it's going to deter people from drinking alcohol. But if people want a product bad enough, they're going to find ways to get the product, especially underage people with alcohol. And no, I, I agree entirely, Richard, and that's been what we've been saying here on Free Talk Live. Can you do me a favor? Can you turn to Sarah and tell her exactly what you just told us? Because we don't think she heard us when we said it to her. Oh, hey, hung up. <laughs> no, no, Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, she's, she's listening. She's about five feet from me, and uh, her hearing's got radar. So, yeah, she hears everything, and I explained to her... Uh, different things, too, with people's opinions of her, but she's determined, and, yes, she claims she's a uh, devout communist, and she proposes a lot of the communist ideals, but uh, we get along here in the household. I think the world of her, although a lot of times she does leave me shaking my head at things she uh, brings up also. That's, that's good, Richard. I, I'm pleased that you have found a way to you know, work through some of these complications that you might have as a result of, from what I can tell, are pretty diametrically opposed viewpoints. You you sound very, liber- at least liberty-leaning when you call. I mean, you recognize the futility of these sin taxes and things like that. So good on you for that, Richard. Absolutely. Uh, increasing the taxes. You know, New Hampshire, uh, Keene actually raised the cigarette or the tobacco age, or I don't remember exactly, the nicotine age, because you also can't buy vapor liquids now if yeah. you're under the age of 21. They raised the age from 18 to 21, and that didn't stop anyone from smoking or vaping. It just caused them to go an extra quarter mile to the nearby, the, the very nearby town of Swansea, which, by the way, is so nearby that you literally enter Swansea without realizing that you've left Keene, and buying them there. So it just decreased tax revenue for the city of Keene. Yeah. CW, however, called previously, and he brought up Sesame Street, and that made me look into some things. I have four really weird characters here that we can round up this segment by talking about. Raya is one of these weirder characters. She's part of the Cleaner, Healthier, Happier campaign, which is supported by World Vision and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Raya is incredibly passionate about water, hygiene, sanitation, and teaching kids about staying healthy. There's also Zari, who is part of the Afghanistan Sesame Street crew. Oh, I bet she's been discontinued. Zari is an Afghani girl who wears a hijab and teaches her audience about breaking gender stereotypes. She was introduced to the series to show the world that girls can do anything or to show Afghani children that girls can do anything. And I suspect, given certain events that happened within the last 12 months, she's probably no longer welcome on the Sesame 
Sesame Street crew there in Afghanistan. She got cancel cultured. I mean, well, the Taliban doesn't it doesn't sound like the sort of thing the Taliban would approve of. Yeah, I don't think so. Kami or Kami or Kami, however, she's a, she's in South African Sesame Street. So not all of these are in the United States, apparently. I didn't know that there were like different Sesame I didn't Streets. Either. This is news to me. Kami was introduced to the world as the world's first HIV positive Muppet as a means to help mitigate much of the HIV AIDS stigma that still exists. She knows a lot about HIV and AIDS and helps educate her young audience on it. Because who doesn't want their three and four year old children watching Sesame Street to learn all about HIV and AIDS? Obviously, uh, I mean, in a place like, what did they say, South Africa? In a place like South Africa, that's probably useful or at least more useful than it would be in the United States. Finally, there is Zobi who's from Nigeria's Sesame Square. So it's not even Sesame Street there. It's Sesame Square. They have a whole square. Wow, that's fancy. He's Cookie Monster's counterpart. Or or, as they say, Nigeria's Yam Monster. Yam as in sweet potatoes. Since cookies are not especially prevalent in Nigeria, the show's producers decided to make his favorite a nutritious staple, yams. Although Zobi does a lot more than just eat yams, he is also a blue, fluffy cab driver who also teaches kids about malaria. So Sesame Street has always been doing some pretty weird stuff, as well as some stuff that just sort of pushed the boundaries. In 2002, it wasn't really acceptable to talk about HIV and AIDS like that. So they've done some good things. I would just rather them keep the propaganda to a minimum. Yeah. Of course, they can't do that. If you give them, you know, permission to teach your kids about HIV and AIDS, they're going to use that to teach your kids why it's important to get vaccinated. So I guess you just have to find a show that aligns with your ideology and let your kids watch that. I have no idea. This is why I don't have kids. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, where you're invited to weigh in, share your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160, if you would like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we have our own official chat server. For those curious, we do actually watch some of the chats there. Uh, the YouTube chat is just so busy, considering how few viewers we have that is. It's useless to attempt to watch it, but we have our own official chat server that is always online, always active. You can find it at chat.freetalklive.com. A number of the hosts actually have accounts there and take part in the chats, at least occasionally. Some people just sit there glued to it, evidently, and watch it 24-7. I don't think any of the hosts pay that close attention to it, but it is there. And that's chat.freetalklive.com if you want to join it. It's also... Uh, part it's federated i think i'm not exactly sure how that that may just be something that we control that isn't federated i don't remember now off the top of my head but that's chat.freetalklive.com speaking of things we can't control we would love to have mark here in the studio with us but regrettably that just isn't practical given certain events that transpired last year 
But he is, however, able to join us via remote connection at least twice a week on Sundays and Wednesdays. And we have Mark with us now. Mark, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, I heard you guys talking about um, taxes and and smoking and, and these sorts of things. And I wanted to give my experience um, because... Uh, you know, for one, uh, I had never considered the idea, which is worse for me, a, uh, make a Happy Meal or a pack of Marlboros. Um, so this is a you know, new conversation for me, and I, I like that. But um, well, from what I can tell, all of the all of the data seems to suggest that fast food is worse for or junk food slash processed food slash fast food, <coughs> however you wish to characterize it, is worse for you than smoking. Now, it depends if you're smoking four packs a day versus one Big Mac a week, it's it's going to depend on how often you're eating junk food and how often you're smoking, obviously, right? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that uh, your body can handle um, perhaps five cigarettes a week or, um, you know, a, a Big Mac a week or something like that without too much trouble. I'm not um, entirely you know. sure how true that is, though. Okay. Um, like, now, i got to find the numbers here. They were just right in front of me. And, of course, now that I want them, they're not. However, uh, I kind of don't trust these numbers because the people who hate smoking really hate smoking. And the people who hate fast food really hate fast food. And so they kind of find what they want. You know, like the super size me guy, um, you know, they went through and, and looked at what he well, um, was talking about. And yeah, this wasn't science. Before was, you say you don't trust the numbers, let me give you the numbers. All right. It, well, and again, that's presuming I'm actually going to be able to find them. However, you don't have to really trust the numbers. Well, Smoking doesn't cause obesity. Now, look around at the number of obese people and the the overwhelming degrees by which the average person is eating fast food. And working in the food industry throughout the last throughout the pandemic, I saw this firsthand. And I'm just not going to be able to find the numbers that I had just a few minutes ago. However. The average rate of someone with diabetes and obesity, it seems to decrease decrease their life expectancy to about 50 years old versus smoking, which tends to cause death around the age of 60 to 65. Oh, so you get an extra 15 years with cigarettes. Look at that. That seems to be the case. They're not explicitly saying that, but the, the numbers do seem to suggest that. And I'm not advocating for either one of these things. Uh, I, you know, I, I try to stick to whole foods, and I gave up smoking. Well, how old is my son? Um, you know, when he was one. And uh, the reason I gave up smoking was in 2009, when Barack Obama came in, he, you know, he saw, of course there were plenty of taxes on cigarettes at the time, but what there weren't taxes on was roll your own and uh, little, like, cigars, gas station cigars, and cigars generally. I attempted um, the roll-your-own thing for a bit when I first came to New Hampshire, and it, w- and it was just because it was they were a little bit cheap. Well, it was significantly cheaper to do that than it was to buy cigarettes, but it was so much work. It is a lot of work. That it just wasn't worth it. <coughs> and they taste so, terrible. Yeah, I, they're, I don't not, know. they're not good. I, li- I <laughs> but, liked them because I had already smoked Winston's and American Spirits at that point, which are yeah, the same okay. sort of thing. It's yeah. the tobacco without all of the additives. So it didn't really bother me. It just tasted the way that tobacco is supposed to sort of naturally taste. Except mine also had menthol infused into it because, of course, it did. <laughs> so um, 
at the time, roll your own and and like gas station cigars weren't really taxed. Um, you know, they had sales tax and things like that, but the, they didn't have that kind of federal government tax that cigarettes do. And this, they they put a like a we're gonna you know hospitalization for for children uh, kind of thing um, is that they said they're doing, but. With the government, money's fungible. So when they're not spending, sending money to, um, when they don't have to send as much money to kids uh, in the hospital, they just send more money to drop bombs on other people's children around the world. And I just couldn't live with that. So I gave up smoking. And in fact, the tax worked for me. Barack Obama put a tax on uh, cigars and I quit smoking them as a result. So kind of, to some extent, these people can claim that what they do is true. They're disincentivizing the behavior. and Well, I, I suspect most it. people aren't going to be particularly bothered by the increase in tax. You know, <laughs> They're not going to be motivated by the realization that this is causing bombs to be dropped on kids in the Middle East. Well, and Mark, get- for you, it sounds like it was more of like an ethical and a principle standpoint and like less yep. about the money, which I think most people taxes. It's about the money. It's not about the ethics of taxation. Right. And I absolutely 100 percent. But at any point, at some point, if you raise the taxes high enough, then people will, uh, you know, some people will skirt around it, but others will just simply stop smoking. Um, and that's what we saw. We've seen in like New York City, where the taxes on cigarettes are so high that they they sell Lucy's and that sort of thing. Well, I suspect people smoke less there as a result because it's just so expensive. People also but die for selling Lucy on the streets there. Every once in a while, yeah. At, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, but uh, was that George Floyd? No, that no, was, was that Eric. Else? I think it was Eric Gardner. Oh yes, name? yes. Yeah, it's a sad situation. People can Google that, but I think it's fascinating. Hey, um, you guys are having um, some kind of vote maybe tomorrow or in the near future on New Hampshire secession. I'm we curious. Are. Do you know anything about it? Yeah, that is January the 20th at 3.30 p.m. Uh, it, it, thank goodness it's not tomorrow. That's really short notice. It's a little over two weeks away. It'll be two weeks as of tomorrow. 3.30 p.m., uh, Obviously, we're trying to get as many free staters and libertarians as we can to show up at the state house there in Concord, which is more or less about an hour drive from anywhere else in New Hampshire. So it's not like we're asking a whole lot of people to come out and show support for this in this historic occasion where just by doing this, this all started when Dave Ridley called one night and was like, hey, I want to pursue this, but it's going to cost the New Hampshire taxpayer $2,000 to have this bill read. And it happened to be... I think myself and Ian, who were on that night, and we both went, I'll put up a grand. Let's do it. And Dave took the ball from there. He started contacting state reps. He found Mike Sylvia, uh, Matt Santanastasso, and some others who were on board with it, started having weekly meetings. And the next thing we know, this thing actually has legs under it and is actually being put forward to the State House of Representatives. And now there's an actual vote in a little over two weeks about new, about a constitutional amendment that if passed by, I think, a two-thirds majority or something like that by the people of New Hampshire, would cause these, not allow, but directly cause at that exact moment, the state of New Hampshire to peaceably declare independence from the federal government. Amazing. So what was the threshold? I don't know that this is amazing. It sounds to me like a politician put in a bill. Um, And this happens thousands of times a year in New Ham- in around the, the United States. And yes, God but New Hampshire has some unique qualities that make this a bit more important than just, because I'm sure some state rep in Texas has done this as well. 
And that is one, the concentration of libertarians in New Hampshire absolutely does. And stick around with us for a little bit more, Mark, because I, I yep. get the feeling you want to weigh in on it. A lot of libertarians and free staters here who will show up in order to express support for this bill. I don't think it's going to be possible to hold this in the smaller room. I think we'll easily get more than 50 there. And every bill in New Hampshire has to get a hearing, which gives us the opportunity to actually do there, go there, express our support, make the state reps, make it clear to them where we stand on this. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you can call in with your thoughts and opinions, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And we've been telling you about Intercoin for the last year and a half, somewhere around there, maybe two years. Well, Intercoin has launched this investor token worldwide, and for the first time, it's available on an exchange you can create an account at xmarkets.com, that's exmarkets.com, using just an email address, which means you can actually keep your privacy intact. You can also acquire uh, the ITR, that's the Intercoin Investor Token, at Uniswap. You can find links to both of those on their website at intercoin.org. That's I-N-T-E-R-Coin.org. Now with X Markets, because it's it allows you to actually retain your privacy and sign up with only an email address, you can only deposit cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, and then trade them for Tether and use that to buy ITR. But sometimes to keep your privacy intact, you just have to jump through a few extra hoops. And I suspect anyone who is listening to the show is already acquainted with that process. So check them out. That's intercoin.org. You might just be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. We have Mark joining with us. We've we've been talking about the New Hampshire Independence Bill. It's come up a number of times tonight, which is always great for me because I love talking about it. Uh, There were some clarifications. The Texas bill did get put forward by a state representative, but it never even reached committee. And it was really passive, weak language. I don't remember exactly. Mark, there was some weird. I don't know what you were doing there, but there was some weird noise there. It was very passive. Well, if this resolution passes, we will begin to consider the possibility of perhaps maybe at some point within the next 500 years having a committee explore the possibility of seceding from the United States. It probably wasn't really that watered down, but the New Hampshire Independence Bill, it's blunt, it's in your face, it's short. There was a lot of work done to narrow this down to as short a language as possible, so there was no room for misinterpretation. We're not looking at a possible Brexit here. If this thing passes, it's immediate independence for the state of New Hampshire. Mark, are you still with us? Yeah, I think that it's bare, uh, it, It's worth mentioning that Texas is the only state in the union that has secession written into its constitution. I'm not saying that Texas is going to secede or that Texas is better than New Hampshire, because I think those are dumb conversations. Um, but I, I, I think it's worth mentioning the Texans love that that's in their constitution. And frankly, it should be in every state's constitution. Any state that decided to join the United States should have had an exit clause. Any contract, any good contract has an exit clause. Well, so, I would argue that the New Hampshire Constitution does. I I think it's the 10th article with, or the 10th 
section within the first article or the 10th article within the first section. I don't remember, and it's not important, but the right to revolt against the government, the right to overthrow it, is enshrined within the New Hampshire Constitution. Yeah, well, that is some weak language. You're just talking about weak language. I mean, people should go read 2A and uh, see what it says because it doesn't – it's not like you have the right when your government doesn't sue you to take a bayonet and drive it through the nearest politician. Oh, by no means does it say anything like that. Um, You know, it's it's, uh, mild. Well, I can tell you exactly what it says. Because it's not mild at all. Government being instituted for the common benefit, protection, and security of the whole community. Not necessarily something I agree with, but moving on. And not for the private interest or emolument of any one man, family, or class of men. Therefore, whenever the ends of government are perverted and public liberty manifestly endangered and all other means of redress are ineffectual, the people may and of right ought to reform the old or establish a new government. The doctrine of non-resistance against arbitrary power and oppression is absurd, slavish, and destructive of the good and happiness of mankind. That's sure. I, I don't really manifest, see that as being weak. Manifest. Um, all other uh, avenues are exhausted. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, if at this point... That um, well, I mean, if the fact that uh, New Hampshire is surrounded by states that have legalized marijuana and it still can't get that done, um, you know, there's evidence, all the evidence you need that the uh, state house isn't going to agree with whatever you define as freedom. <laughs> no, so, not a, not at all, Mark. The issue of marijuana has nothing to do with the state house and has everything to do with the Republican governor. Chris Sununu, who has vowed repeatedly to veto any marijuana legalization that reaches his desk. Then they just need to get enough politicians to say, um, look, I, I, you know, fine, whatever. Um, that's all that's keeping. It's just the Republican governor because we've had Democratic yes. governors in the past it, in New Hampshire. And yeah, but Sununu has either. Sununu has. I'm not saying that changing the governor to a Democrat is going to make us free. I don't consider marijuana legalization to to really be one of the critical fighting points of liberty. Oh. Beyond I think the, it is. Beyond I think the, it's a really great thing to look at because, um, you know, the path of legalization of marijuana through over the course of the last decade really does show that people have been able to use the government apparatus in certain states in order to achieve more liberty. And it also goes to show that New Hampshire isn't about freedom, which is what's been said on Free Talk Live a great deal. New Hampshire is about a broken system that it makes it very difficult to pass legislation. All right, Mark, I'm and confused what, by your position then, because at one at one point you're accusing me of saying that, oh, well, if we just have a Democratic governor, we'll suddenly be free when we're, we're literally talking about pot legalization here. I didn't say that having a Democratic governor would make us free. I said that <laughs> Governor Sununu is the one standing in the way of pot legalization, and now you're making the— But before exact, him, on, Mark, it was the Democrat. Uh, yes, I, and we didn't what, have it then. That was, what, eight there, years ago? We're on national radio with a half a million people listening to you right now. You've got to be clear when you say it's the Republican governor that you don't mean that a Democratic governor would have solved the problem. I, did, and, I, never, I never said that Governor Sununu was the one keeping us from being free. I said he was the one keeping pot legalization from happening. And, and then you I'm took saying, that and you said, oh, so if we just have a Democratic governor, we'll be free. And then you turn around and make the exact opposite point, which is that marijuana legalization is a fine step for freedom. So which one is it? Do we have to be completely free or is it OK for New Hampshire to be here taking little steps toward freedom? Which is it? I love 
little steps towards freedom. However, um, then why are you I, throwing these straw men at me that like, oh, well, we have to be completely free and that's only going to happen with the Democratic governor, which isn't even remotely what I said. It's a deep concern of mine that uh, Free Talk Live, in my absence, has become so wildly pro New Hampshire that um, the only thing I can do is call in now and then and try to hold people accountable. And what I want to do right now is, is I want to try to get some idea of how successful you think the New Hampshire secession bill is going to be. Like, do you think it's going to make it out of committee? Um, and do you think that's going to, you know, how many people are going to show up? Do you think that the statists haven't considered for a moment that, um, well, that there's going to be 100, maybe 200 libertarians that show up for this, and we need to have some system for dealing with it. And, I, you know, so, you know, I, I hope you guys make this happen. I don't think you will, but, um, you know, I, I hope for liberty every opportunity that it's uh, presented. I'm always rooting for liberty. Do you want so, to stick around for one more segment to get the answers to those questions? Yeah. Okay, awesome. Mark is still with us here, uh, not able to be with us here in the studio, but he's asked a number of interesting questions like, how successful will, do I think this is going to be? And what do I think the statists are going to, or what do we think the statists are going to do and respond to this? And I think we can probably answer those questions. 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live, where you're invited to join the discussion, 603-283-6160, if you'd like to do that. Again, that number is 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. And Nikki. And joined via remote by co-host Mark, who doesn't get to be on the air quite as much as he would like, thanks primarily to a little disagreement that Free Talk Live and some of its hosts had with the federal government in March of last year. I was actually curious, so I looked, and the anniversary of that night is one of the nights where I'm, I'm going to have to try to rope Ian into being on the show that night. But we're, we are joined by Mark, of course, and he just asked a number of interesting questions that I want to get into. How do I think the statists that that is the big government worshippers, the ones who want love the United States and big government and all of that stuff, or they they just love the status quo, however we wish to characterize them. How do I think they're going to respond to this? And what do I think the actual results of this hearing, this bill, this attempt for New Hampshire to declare independence will actually be? Well, I can address the status one first. There will be some sort of statist response to this. Sure, we saw the same thing here when Keene introduced its mask mandate recently. Uh, Keene, of course, being one of the more liberal, more democratic bastion strongholds in New Hampshire versus New Hampshire as a whole, which tends to be more conservative but and not as much statist. But the <coughs> there's a huge disparity between the number of people who were against the reintroduction of a mask mandate and the people who actually were there to speak out in favor of reinstating the mask mandate. And I suspect we'll see the same thing there. Opposition doesn't inspire a whole lot of people. Being against something 
doesn't really inspire a whole lot of things. Like when I ran for sheriff, people hating me, that didn't that didn't inspire a whole lot of activity. They they might look me up on Facebook and shoot me some message or an email or something like that. But it, it was love, it was appreciation that actually inspired people to do things. No one who hated me went through the trouble of handwriting and finding my address and mailing me a letter. But plenty of people who liked what I was doing did that. So how many statists who are against what we're doing are actually going to show up? Not very many because hatred just doesn't inspire very many people to act. However, can I clarify my question just a little bit, Aria? Sure. Um, what concerns me, and I understand where you're coming from, and I don't disagree with anything you've said. I just want to clarify a little bit. Okay. Ron Paul um, had a plan for winning in 2012, which included using the Republican system apparatus. Um, this was telegraphed ahead of time to the Republican Party, basically everybody's saying, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make delegates, and we're going to get in there, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And that's kind of what's happened with this bill up to this point. And I'm not saying that that's a bad move. I'm saying that's likely what you had to do. And it's pretty obvious what the libertarian move here is. We have put in a bill. We shall uh, try to get as many libertarians into the room as possible. Maybe we can move it to the big room, and we'll make lots of noise. And if they don't do the things we like, we'll 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 make a cacophony of booze at them, right? Like that's the that's hold on, the Mark, plan. because you asked me for a an opportunity to clarify your question about the status response. Yes. You didn't ask me for an opportunity to rail about why this isn't going to work and why libertarians no, are no, being I, ineffectual. I didn't say that it wasn't going to work. I'm I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is it's pretty obvious what what is going to be done. Um, on the one side, the libertarian. Oh, so you side. didn't want you didn't want to clarify your question. You wanted to answer okay. your own question. Okay. Fine. The my question, like the clarif- the clarification is, what are the politicians going to do in reaction? What is the plan against what the politicians are going to do? Because they're going to do something. They know you're coming. And they're going to do something. I'm not talking about, you know, Mary Smith coming in from uh, Potsdam to uh, say, I think it's a terrible idea for us to uh, leave the United States. I love the United States. They're my favorite colors, red, white, and blue, right? Like, I'm not, I, not her. I'm not concerned with her. What I'm concerned with is, is that you guys don't even get a chance to stand up and say it. Like, they change the date. They get you all to come there and they say, oh, sorry, we decided to do something else. And then... Everybody goes back home, and then only half as many people show up the next day, or whatever it is that they do. I don't know the ins and outs of the New Hampshire political system. I don't believe they can just change the date and time like that. And as I understand it, anyone who wants to speak on a bill's hearing has to be allowed to speak. So I don't think there's anything they can do to secretly change the hearing date and time or to say, okay, well, we're only going to we're going to have these 15 plants out there in the audience and we're only going to let those people speak because we know what they're going to say. I, I'm not 100% sure there may be someone listening who has a better idea than me, but I don't think the New Hampshire political system is set up to allow them to do that. Expect shenanigans. And it absolutely is. Um, I can tell the, the New Hampshire system is as messed up as, as any of the others. And frankly, I've had to deal with it. The reason that I'm, you know, I, I'm considering strongly right now selling my house in New Hampshire. And it's because I've been in a two year battle with the town, just trying to put an addition on my house. And, um, you know, they've, they've broken their own laws. They've lied. They've cheated. Um, they've, I mean, they've done all kinds of things and it's just so demoralizing because they do it 
and they get paid to do it, and this is their hobby. You just want to build an addition or live your life or do whatever you want to do. And now this is true in many, many places across the United States. I'm not saying New Hampshire bad because of this, but, you know. Well, I'm not going to, you know, uh, name the town in which you're talking about, but. Please don't. Yeah, you're not talking about like Westmoreland or something like that. You're. You're talking about well, a I, nice. I know you've lived there as well, and you know they they didn't bother you when you did your thing there. Not true. <laughs> Westmoreland and I were embroiled in two different lawsuits. Okay, and that's not, the reason they called me the Church of the Flaming a Hole. Is what they uh, they called my property, and wow. they gave me all the trouble they could possibly give me. And I'm just telling you that if if you fight these people, like shenanigans will ensue. They do it all the time, and that's what I'm saying. Yes, I know, Mark. This. They they did that a little a little under nine months ago when they kicked in the doors and the windows here. And so I mean, you know, we know that when you take on statists, they'll shenanigans will happen. And I don't think anybody is expecting for like this bill to just get like easily passed, and it's just going to be like just a smooth, swift transition into New Hampshire independence and it's going to be all unicorns and rainbows. I don't really think that anybody is expecting that. I know there's... I think everybody's expecting there to be backlash from politicians. There's going to be backlash from all of the statists and it's not going to be a super smooth transition, but something needs to be hap- Something needs to happen and I think this is a good chance to make a big step forward, even just having a hearing on this bill. Yeah, and it's important oh, to keep in mind that when we... That's how the process works. Yeah, the when they planning... Works. Hold on, Mark. It's important, because I want to clarify my point on this. It's important for people to remember that when we first started planning this, the videos of which you can find at uh, at Shire Society. Uh, I don't know the exact website. You can find them on Odyssey, though. We were very clear that we didn't expect this to actually caused new hampshire to declare independence it was to get the conversation started to introduce people to the idea to normalize it to them because the first time someone hears an idea it's gonna sound crazy to them but the more they hear it each time the less crazy it sounds but now it's there it's in the state house and it's not a very good sales pitch for us to be like oh well, we don't think this thing is gonna really have any impact we just want to get people to have the conversation no we're gonna be out there preaching the fire on this thing that this could happen because that's what excites people that's what makes that conversation happen more i don't know where it's going to go from here but i'm not going to sit here and use this national radio show to be like oh we're just trying to get a conversation started why would i want to undermine something that i'm trying to make happen at this point that's why i called tonight because i agree with you um i want that too and that's why i called to say look they're gonna cheat they're going to lie and be prepared for it. Start planning now. You've got two weeks until, or however long it is, until this happens. Just be as prepared as you possibly can be for any eventuality, because they've got something up their sleeve. But I do have a question. Um, I now I need clarification from you. Real quick, is it two-thirds for the, um, to pass, and then two-thirds to, for, the, for the public, uh, two-thirds for the public, or what? I'm not entirely sure. I wish I knew the answer to that, but I just don't. And we are getting some weird clicking from you, so we're going to wrap up your conversation with okay, us tonight. Thanks. Yeah, 603-283-6160. There's more coming up. It's Free Talk Live.
is Free Talk Live, where even after the show, you can find us on our chat server. That's chat.freetalklive.com if you'd like to carry on the conversation with us there. With you in the studio tonight, it's Aria. Nikki. And we're actually joined now by Ian. And what's on your mind tonight? Uh, hey, I was just listening and wanted to respond because I do have some of the answers that you didn't have necessarily off the top of your head. Awesome. Um, I've been following the uh, the NH exit situation pretty closely. I blogged uh, just today about uh, over at nhexit.us about this new uh, hearing, the very first ever. I mean, far as I can tell, the first ever in the history of the United States public hearing on the question of whether or not to leave the United States. That's not too surprising. I mean, yeah. it seems like there may have been some prior to the Civil War, but this is certainly the first since. And yeah, even that's those, an interesting point. Yeah, Civil War. Okay. Even those probably, they probably wouldn't have had any open public hearings about the matter back then. But well, I don't know. Certainly you wouldn't have been able to pass the, the word around as quickly uh, as, as we can today about it. Uh, but uh, the last caller had asked the question about uh, 60, or what was the percentage? So it's 60% of the state house representatives and 60% of the senators in New Hampshire have to vote for it. So three-fifths, uh, they have to vote for whatever okay. the constitutional amendment is, whether it's a constitutional amendment to legalize cannabis, which we're going to have. Uh, that's a potential constitutional amendment, or it's the one to uh, have the secession question on the ballot. They have to vote with uh, three-fifths, which is 60% or more. So that's not impossible. Um, it, right. is, it is still you know, a high bar to get people to vote for this. However, it's worth pointing out that this isn't asking the representatives to vote on secession. And a lot of them are going to misunderstand this. And so when people reach out to the state representatives about this, and there's 400 of them here in in New Hampshire, when they reach out to the state reps and talk about, hey, can you vote for CACR 32, the New Hampshire independence uh, bill, they're not actually voting on independence. They're not voting on secession. And they're going to be confused, but they need to have it clarified for them. They are going to vote to put this on the ballot for the people to decide. So if they, Which is very different from asking them to take a position and say, yes, New Hampshire says secede. Right. If they're total empire supporters and they love the federal government and all the things that it does or they want you to try to change it from the inside, then they should still support letting the people of New Hampshire vote on it because they must surely believe that the people of New Hampshire agree with them. And that the people of New Hampshire will agree to stay in the federal government. So what are they afraid of? Put it on the ballot. It's That's a great a point. point. Yeah. And so then if it does get on the ballot, uh, 67% or two-thirds uh, of the voters would have to vote for it in order for it to pass. And then it does go into effect as soon as, it is, as it's quote-unquote proclaimed by the governor. And as I understand it, he has to. Like, I don't think right. he can just... Everybody just voted for this thing, so I don't think he can just neglect to do that. Um, Well, that would be one of the sort of tricks, one of the dirty tricks that the previous caller was talking about that I would sort of expect them to pull. But some of the other dirty tricks that were mentioned, I just don't think are possible. Yeah, it was funny listening to him talk about being such an expert on the state house when I'm pretty sure the number of times he's actually been to the state house, I could count on one hand. Um, I've been there for probably days as far as like the numbers of hours totaled in front of these various different committees and, and such. I've done a lot of testifying in front of the state house. And certainly there are some dirty tricks that can be pulled. I think the the dirtiest trick would be to come in and amend this thing. 
Uh, so to come in and just change the language of the proposal to where it's completely, you know, useless, it's now, you know, change it from an abs- absolute, we're going to secede kind of question to one of these Texas resolutions where maybe we'll start thinking about looking into seceding or whatever, or just completely gut it. You know, Can the committee could do, that. do that? Yeah, the committee okay. could do that. Um, however, what uh, the caller doesn't understand is that the secretary of the committee is in favor of this legislation. She has come out in favor awesome. of this legislation. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Uh, the secretary of the committee is the wife of a man who was put into prison by the federal government for five years. Wow. Uh, man named Jerry DeLemus, his wife Susan, is the secretary of, on the committee. She, uh, He was put into prison for going down to the Nevada rancher situation you remember that back in like 2014 yeah, with the, the bundies the bundy Ranch. oh yeah, yes yeah. yeah so he went down there he didn't like shoot at anybody or hurt anybody he just was there and the federal gang snatched him up after he got back to new hampshire wow and charged him and he unfortunately took a guilty plea on that whereas everyone who went not guilty the jury's actually found them not guilty so unfortunately he was one of the only people oh, to actually go that's to prison unfortunate but, uh, you know, that's what happens when people get charged usually by uh, the federal gang. So she's on board. And I know Alu Axelman from uh, LibertyBlock.com has been regularly reaching out to these state representatives. And so there may be some others. So she, she may not be alone uh, on this particular committee. So it's definitely not going to go down 22 to 0, whatever the results are from this, uh, this committee. And as far as rescheduling... That's encouraging. Uh, yeah, and as far as rescheduling goes, they have to announce that in advance. Otherwise, they would have to do it in the room on the day of. So they would have to call the bill into you know public hearing and immediately say, okay, we're going to reschedule this for a different day. And they could totally do that. It could be the case that... And it yeah, may but not, all of us there who support the bill would be there for that and be yeah. like, okay, well, we'll be back that day then. And yeah. a lot of the people are very, very passionate about this. So the people that are coming to support this, even if that did happen, I'm sure they would come back. I hope so. I mean, it's certainly true that some people won't come back a second time, but then you might also get other people who couldn't make it to the first time who will come to the second yeah. time. And some other people might get even more upset. Like if it's if it's perceived that it was shenanigans that were like going Like it was on. with the $27 million that the sure. committee yeah. rejected. Yep. And then they were like, no, we want to have a secret meeting. And yeah, shenanigans like that. Yeah, it made even more people come. Especially when it's so painfully obvious. Yeah, so um, I think what's most likely to happen as far as rescheduling is because it's scheduled for the afternoon. Most of these hearings happen at 9, 10 in the morning, so it's unusually late in the day. That means a lot of people can easily attend without any kind of excuse. Yeah, that's really good news for us. It's good news, but it's also bad news because it means it's almost certainly going to be continued if a lot of people show up. So that's not necessarily a bad thing. So if a bunch of people show up at 3.30 in the afternoon... And the room's packed, and the list of speakers is going to go beyond 5 o'clock. I mean, in theory, they can go later than that, but they're not going to want to. So they're going to say, all right, we'll, we'll take as many speakers as we can have today. And then if you want to speak on this and you don't get in on the first day, then come back on you know two weeks from now or a week from now, whatever it would be. Usually they're going to push it out another week. It won't be like the next day. Okay. And, but what's likely to happen also is sometimes the other hearings run long. And that won't necessarily be a shenanigans. It'll just be the way it goes. Like there might be some other popular thing at two o'clock and they only mm. schedule a half an hour or, or you know, two thirty or three or something. They only have a half hour scheduled for it, but it goes for an hour and a half. Well, now we're at five o'clock before the 
the secession hearing can happen. And so they might just put the whole thing off until another day. So whether it's shenanigans or not, those are just some of the realistic things that you can expect to happen with an afternoon hearing like that. Well, that's good. I mean, it's not good for it to think about it. I don't like the idea of splitting it, right? If they have to delay the whole thing, I'm fine with that. But I don't like the idea of, you know, having the most passionate people who are going to want to speak first come Mm -hmm. out there and speak at 3.30 on a Friday afternoon. And then two weeks later, have another 15 to 30 people come in and speak because by then they're going to already have forgotten the impactful, passionate messages of the first people who spoke on that first hearing. So I would like it to be all one continuous segment of just liberty lovers speaking out in favor of this thing. And sure, your occasional statist who's hateful enough and loves the government enough to actually come out and speak against this. Yeah, I liked your point about that, that the people who are against this aren't as likely to be active uh, to come out to do this. But this is a pretty big topic, and it will be interesting to hear the Empire supporters and what their reasons are to stay with the United States. Well, they can have their reasons to stay with the United States, but that doesn't mean they have to be against this ballot measure because it would just allow. True, but they're going to come out. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to. Uh, yeah, but even I w- if they're the state workers themselves, because usually at these hearings, it's usually the people who are in favor of freedom and the actual government workers who, who testify. It's almost no one else that comes to these these hearings. Okay. Yeah. Should be interesting. Yeah, then. so it's going to be interesting to see who is against secession and what their reasons are for it. Because, like, Alu Axelman can't get anyone to debate him. Even, <laughs> the, even the, the state rep on this committee who wrote a lengthy, just, screed against this particular bill, he refuses to actually have a conversation about it. Because he knows they'll probably get destroyed. Probably. Well, they have to have that conversation effectively on January the 20th, don't they? Yes. Yep. Uh, assuming it doesn't get delayed or something like that. I look forward to seeing what happens. I look forward to seeing how many people we can get out there for this. I mean, this news just launched today, and we've spent probably half the show talking about yeah. it. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be awesome. I have a really good feeling about this. You can email the reps. There's an email address that sends one. You send one email to the address. It goes to all 20 or 22 reps on the committee. That's over at nhexit.us right now in the article. Awesome. Well, thank you for the clarifications. And if you're a Liberty lover in New Hampshire, you've got to get to this meeting. That's January 20th, just over two weeks out at 3.30 p.m. And you can join us. Chat with us about it in the meantime. Chat.freetalklive.com. We'll be back same time tomorrow. It's been Free Talk Live.